0: Chapter Twenty One of Just As I Am. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Just As I Am by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Twenty One Christmas at Tangley Manor dulcie's work was all finished early on christmas eve and everything was ready for the entertainment of her various pensioners which was to be held in the big official room where Humphrey vargas had made his confession the room looked bright and cheery enough to-night hung with holly and laurel and furnished with two long tables spread with a sumptuous tea while on a cross table at the end of the room were laid out the gifts of clothing and other comfortable things which Dulcie had collected or provided for distribution. Cozy cloaks and hoods for the small children, hats and jackets for the big girls, knitted wool waistcoats and comforters for the old men, gowns or petticoats for the old women, packets of tea, tobacco in smart pouches, deftly made from odds and ends of Dulcie's silk gowns, here and there a bright cap ribbon to give colour to the mass of warm linsey and duffel or a scarlet cloak to relieve the greys and browns of the petticoats taste and thoughtfulness perceptible in everything and here was dulcie in her black velvet gown flitting to and fro with cups of tea and baskets of plum-cake talking to everybody knowing everybody's name and everybody's domestic affairs the ages of all the children the ailments of all who had been ill the prospects of all who were just going out to service or beginning life in any way the griefs of all whose rusty black told of bereavement morton and his two sisters and lizzie hardman were working with her miss blake presided over the urn and teapots and poured out tea and coffee till her arm ached it was altogether the happiest brightest party at which morton had ever assisted he forgot all his troubles in the rapture of seeing how dulcie was beloved how like a ministering angel she moved hither and thither among the old and young giving comfort and pleasure to all people had come from far and near to dulcie's tea-party there was no distinction as to parish all dora blake's proteges were invited as well as dulcie's own particular people there was only one cloud in dulcie's sky but that was so dark a shadow she hardly dared think about it, lest she should flag in her efforts to make others happy. Sir Everard had gone to London with his valet on particular business, and for the first time since Dulcie had been his housekeeper, he was to spend Christmas away from home. This was a big trouble for the loving daughter, who had associated every happiness in life with her father's presence, and to whom life seemed almost a blank when he was absent. She had spoken only the unexaggerated truth when she said that her father would always be first in her mind. No new tie could lessen that which years had woven round her heart, the sacred bond which had grown with her growth and strengthened with her strength. Christmas Day without Papa will be too sad, she told Miss Blake when she was explaining how some unavoidable piece of business had obliged Sir Everard to go to London my pet you must spend your christmas with us said aunt dora and it will be very odd if we can't make you happy tell your maid to pack your portmanteau and come home with us this evening after you've dismissed these good people i don't know if papa would like me to leave home in his absence faltered dulcie my dearest child you know he allows you to come to tangley as often as you like i'll assume all the responsibility of this visit you shall have the room opening out of mine and you shall be my special guest and the apple of my eye if sir everard wants to scold anybody when he comes home he shall scold me i don't think he'll do that answered dulcie smiling he honours and loves you and thinks that everything you do is right so if you really don't mind having me dear auntie i should dearly like to come Next to being with Papa, it will be happiness to be with you. Then that's settled, said Miss Blake. The Christmas tree was in the servants' hall, a glorious sight for old and young eyes, shining with the light of innumerable coloured tapers and hung with everything that the heart of man, woman or child could desire. Tobacco boxes, dolls, nutmeg graters, baby's socks, toys, cap ribbons, sweet stuffs tea coffee in coloured paper packets warm gloves comforters oranges needle books and rosy apples silver thimbles and muffetees a tree out of fairyland everybody got something and by some ledger of dulcie's everybody seemed to get just the exact article which he or she most ardently desired then they all hurry back to the justice room whence the cups and saucers and long tables have vanished as if by magic leaving a clear floor for the climax of the evening's enjoyment sir roger de coverley danced by old and young down to the little three-year-olds that can just toddle a brace of fiddlers and a young man who thinks he can play the cornet à piston are established in a corner by the fireplace negus and hot elder wine with freshly filled baskets of plum-cake are handed round to restore the vital forces which have been exhausted by the feverish excitement of the christmas tree there is a pause of ten minutes or so for refreshments and then the two fiddlers strike an opening chord the young man with the cornet gives a feeble blast in a wrong key and with a great stamping of feet and a good deal of hard breathing the dance begins Dulcian Morton leading, and Lizzie Hardman bringing up the rear with a waddling three-year-old in a Rob Roy frock and socks to correspond. Tiny and Horatia prefer to stand and look on, but Aunt Dora is dancing arduously, her partner a gigantic wagoner in a gorgeously braided smock frock and brown leather leggings. Sir Roger lasts about three quarters of an hour, and after more Negus and elder wine, the happy guests depart but not till they have deafened everybody with three loud cheers in honour of dulcie give it mouth boys cried the huge waggoner waving his mighty arm another and another boys and a little one in for miss blake and the other ladies then with much scraping of feet and ducking of heads in the doorway dulcie's christmas visitors take their leave and there is more noise of merry voices and glad laughter in the village of Osthorpe as they go their homeward way than will be heard again on this side of harvest home christmas day at tangley was not altogether sad for dulcie even though as she told aunt dora with her eyes full of tears it was the first christmas day she had spent away from her father since she was eight years old everybody conspired to make her forget this woeful fact she drove with morton and the girls to the old parish church at highclere for the morning service and the solemn cathedral chants the fine old organ thrilled and delighted her the service seemed as splendid to dulcie as all the glories of westminster abbey would appear to a more experienced churchgoer so striking was the contrast to the village choir and feeble harmonium at Osthorpe. after morning church they drove through the wintry woods lightly powdered with rime to blatchmarden castle to see if Lady Frances Grange were any the worse for her ducking in Twomley Brook, and the Earl insisted that they should stay to luncheon. Provided you can all eat cold mutton, he said cheerily, I know there was a haunch for dinner last night and I dare say it will appear at luncheon. It was off one of my finest ewes and I think a slice of cold roast mutton with a little hot pickle is not half a bad thing. There were curry and a chicken pie, as well as the cold haunch, and the luncheon party was altogether as pleasant and cheerful as it could be, with all the charm of an unpremeditated entertainment. Everybody talked of his or her favourite subject. Lord Blatchmarden had a great deal to tell Morton about his latest experiments in feeding sheep, the wonderful success of which was to be perceived in the flavour of the cold haunch. Francis told Tiny her mortifying experiences of the other day, and expatiated on Morton's goodness in sacrificing his own sport for her comfort. Lord Beville sat next Dulcie, and had a great deal to say to her, as he always had when they met, seemingly intensely interested in everything which interested her, even to the most feminine trivialities why don't you drive over to see my sister sometimes he asked you say you would like to play billiards as well as she does there's our table at your service and fan or i would only be too delighted to give you a lesson she's one of the best players in daleshire don't you know oh, so morton has told me said dulcie smiling at his fervid good-nature it's very kind of you to make such an offer "'But I really don't know that I have any ambition about billiards. "'I have felt rather humiliated sometimes "'when people have asked me to join in a game "'and I have been obliged to confess "'that I hardly know how to handle a cue. "'But I don't think I should ever be able "'to devote much time to billiards. "'We have no table at home "'and I can't bear to be often away from my father.' "'And yet you will leave him altogether before long,' said Beville looking more serious than the nature of the conversation might seem to warrant. "'Is not that rather inconsistent?' "'I I suppose it is,' faltered Dulcie, "'But even when I'm married, I hope to spend at least half my life with my father. "'Tangley is not far from Fairview. "'I shall still be able to take care of Papa, "'and he will be with us at the manor-house a great deal, I hope.' sir everard and morton get on very well together i suppose speculated beville morton is devoted to my father and your father likes him oh yes as much as i think papa would ever like any young man you see my dearest father has lived a lonely life since he lost my mother He's lived with his books not caring much for society not interesting himself in politics or in the outside world now Morton is all energy and activity of mind deeply interested in the questions of the day I understand a man of action while your father is a man of thought no there cannot be much sympathy between them said Lord Beville decidedly as if he were glad to have the question settled Morton is going into Parliament I hear oh I hope so then you will have to spend nearly half of every year in london and that will separate you and sir everard i hope papa may go to london with us why do you try to make me unhappy lord beville Oh, could i be so diabolical as to do that i think not but you remember the story of the fox who had lost his tail yes he wanted all the other foxes to cut off their tails precisely that is human nature as well as vulpine nature suppose now that i were very unhappy myself oh i should be sorry to suppose that answered dulcie smiling at him as if the suggestion were a joke but even if you were i don't think you would be so unkind as to wish to make me unhappy too (laughs) don't be too sure of that You don't know what evil moods I'm subject to sometimes. Morton had got himself released from Lord Blackmarden and the agricultural question by this time, and luncheon being ended, he was able to come around to Dulcie's side of the table, having wondered very much what Beville and his betrothed had been talking about so seriously but before he could say a word to dulcie lady frances carried her off to the stables to feed the horses with the fragments of the feast in the shape of bread and apples "Hmm, that's the way all my ribstones and russets go remonstrated the earl who was almost as proud of his apples as of his sheep clementine asked lady frances and her brother to drive over to tangley in the evening with miss moulton to join in some christmas games provided the earl would not mind being left alone on the festive occasion to which lord blatchmarden replied cheerily that he was never less alone than when alone adding rather inconsistently that he would have his steward in to talk over the latest farming operations that fellow mactaggart is always up to his eyes in work he said he quite snubs me if i stop him in the fields of a morning to ask him how things are going on But I dare say over a glass of toddy he will be more communicative. So the young people being free to accept Clementine's invitation, it was settled they were to drive over early in the evening. The Tangley dinner was to be at five o'clock to give the servants a long evening for Snapdragon and Mistletoe, whereby Aunt Dora and the young people were ready for their guests at seven, and all the jardiniers and coffee-tables were wheeled away from the centre of the floor leaving room and verge enough for such juvenile sports as tiny and lizzie hardman delighted in and the grave Horatia blandly tolerated beville and francis were tremendously strong at these festal games suggesting many new ideas starting dumb charades and speaking charades comic tableaux vivants a goose game and a dancing bear game and a huntsman's game and a sneezing game and all manner of ridiculous diversions in which miss moulton and aunt dora assisted with exemplary good humour then on the edge of midnight tiny asked lizzie hardman to play a waltz a request with which that young person immediately complied playing the blue danube with such swing and perfect accent that before they had time to think about it dulcie and beville were floating along a stream of melody in dream-like revolutions smooth as leaves gliding down a swift-running river morton stood looking on for a minute or so admiring the pose of dulcie's slender figure the grace of the bright girlish head he might have stood and gazed thus till the dance had ended perhaps had it not been for lady frances well she said looking at him with a smile of bewitching impertinence has that melody no inspiration for you it inspires me to solicit the privilege of a waltz with you answered morton promptly and in the next minute they were revolving with the other pair francis grange was an exquisite waltzer it was one of her rare accomplishments it was a natural gift she had won the enthusiastic praise of the famous madame adelaide whose pupil she had been for one brief course of lessons when she was in london for her first season under lady luffington's wing that girl is a born dancer cried madame adelaide you others crawl about like beetles and spiders all that there is of the most ignoble this one can dance it is the poetry of motion go then little cat you want none of my lessons you dance like daffodils or running waters it is the good god who has taught thee to waltz with Francis was to forget for the moment that there was any other girl in existence or that life held any higher delight than circling dreamily to a drawling german melody are you tired asked morton when they had out the other two for about five minutes i don't know what it means to be tired of waltzing but perhaps miss hardman is tired of playing they were near enough to the piano for lizzie to hear the suggestion oh, not in the least she said changing to the manola with its languid sweetness and ground swell of passion lord beville started again this time with clementine while Dulcie seated herself by the piano where she could talk to Lizzie Hardman. Lizzie's honest grey eyes were following those two dancers in whom she was most interested, Morton and Lady Frances. She and Morton had danced many a waltz together on summer evenings when all the windows were open to the cool sweet night and the vesper carol of thrush or blackbird mingled with the music of the waltz but these had been evenings when there was no one else for morton to dance with except his sisters and he had a theory that neither tiny's nor horatio's step corresponded with his to-night lizzie was out of it all and it seemed to her as she sat at the piano that her mission in life was to pipe to other people's dancing lord beville and clementine began to flag presently and they both dropped into seats near dulcie in the snug corner behind the piano How well Morton and Fan stepped together, said Beville, speaking of the dancers as if they were horses. But that's only natural. Fan broke him in. Dulcie looked puzzled. She taught him to waltz. It was about the only accomplishment she could teach him. They used to practice in the great saloon at Blatchmarden, to the terror of all the rats and mice behind the panelling. Your sister waltzes exquisitely said Dulcie, looking on with a faint thrill of jealousy as Morton and Francis floated down the room, circling perpetually like phantom dancers in a German legend. "'Good mover! Picks up her feet nicely, doesn't she?' said Beville, with his horsey air. Lizzie struck a sudden, crashing chord, and the waltzers stopped in a startled way, like mechanical figures whose machinery had gone wrong. "'I thought you were going on forever, Morton,' she said. Oh, i beg your pardon lizzie upon my word it was too bad answered morton but i could not allow lady frances to crow over me though she was my instructor in the art of waltzing you never told me that before said dulcie presently when she and morton had strayed into a conservatory all abloom with snowdrops and palmer violets christmas roses and lilies of the valley never told you what dearest "'that Lady Frances taught you to waltz?' "'Oh, what a terrible omission!' he exclaimed, "'smiling down at her as she stood trifling with the long leaves "'of a cluster of lilies of the valley. "'Why, dear child, Fanny Grange and I have been like brother and sister "'for the last ten years. "'She taught me to waltz, and I'm afraid she taught me to ride, "'for I know I was a tremendous muff in the hunting field "'till she took me under her wing.' Well, i wonder faltered dulcie what do you wonder my loveliest why you did not fall in love with lady frances instead of with me Well, that's a curious question and i can only give you the answer tom jones gave his mistress oh, what was that look in the glass dulcie and you will see why i love you better than anyone else in the world why i can never be inconstant to you only for that morton only for some fancied prettiness you can see in me more than in other people that is such a poor reason disease or affliction might change me to-morrow but the change would not alter my love dulcie it was born of your beauty but it has grown up in my heart now and is a part of my nature Nothing can lessen it. I like to believe you, answered Dulcie softly, looking up at him with innocent blue eyes, beaming purest love. End of chapter 21.